1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Believe in Bet in Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The NFL season, it's almost over. The NBA season, it's about to begin. And look, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at BetOnline. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all their great sign-up bonuses. Again, betonline.ag and sign up today BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you for joining the pod it seemed like only yesterday that the nba hoop season was coming to a close lebron james and anthony davis were cutting down the nets but here we are beginning on tuesday today is a monday NBA Hoops is back, which means the Chicago Bulls are back on the court with a brand new coach with a new look, a new vibe, and a new spirit, so it's time to bring in my Hoops honchos to talk a little Christmas Bulls edition, a little season preview. Coming up first, my guest, Mike Choi. Hello, Mike.
2: Joey, what's going on? The Bulls have already paid dividends. I've bought several pairs of glasses from Zenny Optical.
1: Very nice. And for your your comment on the previous pod, the Bulls are going to be playing on December 22nd, and they have not been eliminated from the playoff race yet, too. So this is one of the best seasons already that the Bulls have had in over five years. Also coming up on the pod, had to bring them back to talk some hoops. We got a fantasy draft today, so we're not going to be revealing any spoilers. It's Aaron Hagel. Hey, Hags. Hi, Joey. Ready for this draft tonight? I'm super excited, and I'm even more excited for the Chicago Bulls. Brand yep. new coach, new people in the front office, the Gar packs jokes. I mean, those are things of the past. We've got a number four lottery pick to look at. We've got a Kobe White in his second year. We've got some guys coming back. Hopefully they can stay healthy in our front court. Can Zach Levine take the step forward, become the leader? There's a lot to dive into. But let's just start right here. Hags, what are you most excited about for this Chicago Bulls season that kicks off in just a couple of days?
0: Well, I think this is one of the most exciting seasons ever, just because we finally have a new era, specifically the front office. we got a new uh, president of operations. we got a new GM. Real quick, as an aside, what is exactly the difference between the GM and the president of basketball operations?
1: You guys know? As far as I know, the general manager is more in on the minutia. He's actually making the calls. He's talking to all the agents. His job is to build up a collaboration and a network with this, you know, series of different agents and different teams. He's the guy that's really plugged in. He's the one that's picking up the phone and putting you on hold. With the president of basketball operations, takes a little bit more of a formal approach. He, he conducts the meetings when they host free agents. I think he's the one that maybe puts the stamp on the deal. And the general manager is the one that types up the deal. Mike Hoppin, is that, is that what you understand it as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. But also, right, like I think regardless of what sport you talk about, that dynamic is different for every team because that dynamic is established between the president and then the GM. So I think, you know, it's, it's, it's a gray line, but um, I think you'll find that that relationship and the uh, delegation of responsibilities is different from franchise to franchise.
1: Yeah, I think the general manager, more work. <laughs> I think it's probably the, the nuts and bolts of it. Hop back in, Higgs.
2: Yeah, I guess I
0: was just wondering, because it's like we talk about Carlos Silva so much. It's like, well, Mark Eversley is the GM. And it's like, he never really gets mentioned in all this stuff. But um, the fact that, you know, new front office, new coach, new regime. And I'm just really pumped to see what Billy Donovan can do with these guys. Uh, you know, guys, initially, I wasn't like super pumped about getting Billy Donovan. I kind of wanted somebody new in there. But the more I thought about it, the more I read about it, I'm really pumped that he's coming in. And I want to see what he does with Kobe. I want to see what he does with Levine. I want to see what he does with Larry and Wendell. Those are the – I mean, I know it's a lot, but um, I think he's going to unleash these guys. He's going to unlock something that would never, ever have come into Jim Boylan's mind because he just is not that good of a coach.
1: You're bringing up a great point, too, where this whole Gar and Pax thing, we're talking decades here, people. We're talking almost 20 years specifically with Pax. Talking, I think, over 10 years with Gar Foreman in the organization, now with the New Orleans Pelicans. And I'm with you. I've got these weird scars of, you know, Billy Donovan. You kind of go, whoa, 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 the Bulls just screwed it up. Patrick Williams, whoa, 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 the Bulls just screwed it up. But this is a whole new batch of people, in there running the show. And I think what I'm most excited about is I'm walking into the season with open eyes and ears, really trying to take my past preconceived notions, even about players that were on the team last year, maybe trying to wipe the slate clean a little bit looking at this with a whole new fresh perspective and maybe it could be a positive, successful one. Mike, I want to ask you, man, what are you most excited about for the Chicago Bulls season? I mean, Aaron
2: nailed it. Uh, And most specifically Billy Donovan, because I think we have a a case where we can literally outside of the addition of Patrick Williams and, you know, the small pieces and moves that we made such as like the Gary temples of the world. uh, It's basically the exact same roster. So we can literally have a year-by-year comparison between you know, the old regime and Billy Donovan to see what kind of improvement he actually makes with this roster. And I think you know, it was a small sample size. We only had a four-game preseason. But I think we're already seeing – for me, when we think about good coaches, regardless of the sport, it's, the, it's, it's one of two things. It's the coach who molds his system to the roster he has – Or the opposite where it's, hey, we have an established system and we're bringing in players specifically tailored to that system. In years past, the Bulls have done neither one or the other. It's been a hodgepodge of like, hey, let's bring this player, but I don't know if he fits this system or the roster we have or vice versa. Let's try to get this player to mold into this. You know, I think at least the early indication is Billy Donovan is the kind of coach who is going to mold what the team is based on the roster. We're already seeing that a little bit with Laurie Markinen. We're already seeing that with just, just you know, the, the enthusiastic reception from the team in large. So, again, uh, Aaron nailed it. Like, what Billy Donovan can do for this team is the most excitement that we've had, unfortunately, Chicago Bulls basketball in the last five to six years.
1: And you know what else Billy Donovan can do for us Bulls fans? He can actually give us detailed answers. Holy cow, (laughs) back up, back up the truck after the years of Boylan and no offense to Hoiberg. And even Tibbs at times, Tibbs, Tibbs would go into detail, but it was a little bit more of his, the same coach speak all over and over and again, playing on a string, all that jazz. But Billy Donovan, each player, he's able to give a detailed answer about what he likes and what he's looking for out of them. I'm watching these post-games after the game. He talks about specifically, you know, what stretches he did and didn't like and what areas they think they can improve on and look at and stuff that they can continue to, like, work on moving forward. It's just there's a transparency with the way that he communicates, which I think is going to be really, really helpful with a team that's rebuilding like the Chicago Bulls are. So, like, hopefully, if Bulls fans are listening, as they do hopefully find that success, they can be able to kind of pick up the crumbs a little bit and sort of see how we got there. Higgs, I want to ask you this question. It's It's a sports cliche, and I feel like it doesn't really apply so much to the NFL, but I think it does apply in some areas to Major League Baseball, a little bit to hockey, and I think it applies a lot to basketball. With a new coach in there, Billy Donovan, veteran coach, how many games do you think he could possibly be worth this season? As in, you know, sometimes that coach comes in and automatically, he draws up a couple of plays and he can win you those two or three extra games. Could you see Billy Donovan coming in and having that kind of effect? And if so, how many games do you think he can maybe swing in the favor of the Bulls this season just based on his knowledge, his leadership, the way he calls plays, the way he runs the show? It's actually a good question. I
0: don't know exactly how many wins he would add. I would guess, I don't know, five. Here's the thing. Jim Boylan's Bulls, I think in the year and a half, two years that he was the coach, they had, I think, two or three wins against teams that were 500 or better. That's insane. That is unbelievably bad. Not, <clears throat> so Billy Donovan coming in, he's going to definitely add wins. Uh, are the Bulls as good as a lot of other teams in the NBA? No, talent-wise. But look what he did with OKC last year in their roster. Not that he's going to exactly do that with the Bulls. They had Chris Paul, who's a legend. But just him being in there compared to Boylan, it's going to blow Bulls fans' minds how exponentially – better, smarter of a coach than he is than
1: than Boylan. And let's get this out on the top. I started looking into the schedule a little bit. They've only got about the first half of the schedule to start off the season. And let's just preface this and let's warn Bulls fans right now. Our schedule to start the season is very, very difficult. Let's just say this. If you go to February, if the Bulls can sort of hang in there and be that mediocre under 500 team, but not at the bottom rung, if they can be what three games under 500 maybe even four and they can get to February I'm telling you right now they can actually probably make a run and perhaps make the playoffs but Higgs you know you, well, the minute I said it you you had a reaction my friend so I want to hear from you this schedule to open the season is going to be really tough I think Bulls fans need to temper their expectations about you know being at some over 500 team or something if they can actually be competitive and borderline under 500 I think it's a huge success to start the season what say you Check this out. So I looked at the Bulls schedule in just January alone. <clears throat> they get to the start,
0: the, the start off the new year at Milwaukee. Then they get to come home, play Dallas. Nope. Then they fly out to Portland. Good luck. Play the Kings, winnable. Then at Lakers, at Clippers, fly home, play Boston, then fly immediately out the Thunder, which is winnable. But then they fly to Dallas, tough game. Come home against Houston. They go against Charlotte, winnable. Then they have to play the Lakers at home. Then they play the Celtics at home, fly to Memphis, which gonna be a tough game, then end the season by coming home and playing against Portland again. That's bonkers. No! Not there's easy. like three, three teams that they get probably beat on paper, but the rest of them, those are all playoff teams and potentially championship teams. That's a, they have like the, the most brutal stretch out of any team this season. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, it begs the question, Mike, if the Bulls were 500 after January, should we be doing cartwheels? I have a little
2: different perspective on this, this tough early season schedule. It, it's tough. Definitely. Yes. But I look at it as where this is still a building year. I'm not looking at this team to be, it, it'd be one thing if like, Hey, we are a playoff team and this early season stretch gets us in the hole. You know, to be honest, to be frank, if you want me to put my objective lens on or my Homer lens on, I'll put my objective lens on right now. We're still not a playoff team. And I'm sure this is things that we can we'll discuss later on this pod. Um, you know, the fact that whether we're near 500 or not, I don't think that's really important. I think one, building the culture. And then this is to your point, we talk about not just the X's and O's and Joey, you nailed it also when, you know, Billy Donovan, which you can't take lightly, also has some media savvy. To your point, he knows how to speak to the media. He knows how to obviously speak to his team by all accounts. Um, So the way I look at it is what Billy Donovan is going to need to do most which is an important part of any coaching position is keep the morale of the team up because, you know, unless, you know, we can hope beyond hope that we get a 500 if not better record in this early stretch, but that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. So if you can keep that morale up to get past that, I actually think of that as kind of a strength because we'll really feel what the metal of this team is by going through this early stretch and really getting a sense, you know, I don't want that inflated. Oh, we beat all the, uh, the Charlottes and the, you know, whatever other crappy teams are in the league. Oh, and we're five games above 500, but it's a false thing. Just like, you know, we kind of saw early season with the bears. Um, So for me, it's like, Hey, Billy Donovan, get these guys pumped through this first month, month and a half of the season. Let's see where we are. Let's regroup because it's not going to be pretty. And then at that point we can kind of move forward. But Again, I, I, I 100%, you know, I'm, unfortunately, I'm very high on this team. I don't think they're playoff ready yet. And because of that, I'm not too concerned about these early season, you know, big name matchups.
1: Well, and I'm in complete agreement with you. And we're going to come back to you, Mike, because is it, I, I, if they were 500, I think we should be like flipping out. Like we sure. should be like, holy shit, this is going amazing. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. But for Bulls fans, wouldn't you agree that aesthetically, I'm hoping for just a change where, how many times over the last four or five years have we been like, oh, man, I got the night off from work. I'm going to get home, cook myself a little din-din, and around 5.30, I'm going to flip on the Bulls right there already down by 25. Okay, I'm going to turn the channel off. Oh, there's a whole waste <laughs> of my night. I mean, how many times have we just seen this team, you look at the box score, they're down by 18 at the half. They come out, of the, th- you know, and I just would really hope that I think steps of incremental progress would be in that fourth quarter, we're down by four we're down by six, maybe
2: competitive throughout the game. We
1: have a lead, you know, with four minutes to play and, you know, to the young aspect of what you're talking about, the work in progress, maybe we lose that game, but at the same time, it just starts to feel more competitive, a little bit more cohesive and, and, and just staying in these games a little bit and not just getting blown out every third game by 28, 30 points, because no Bulls fan wants to watch that. I mean, There are guys in this basketball team that are talented, but I think what has really driven the Bulls fans away have been those really, really tough losses. Jim Boylan taking a timeout with 10 seconds left when they're down by 18 points, you know, shit like that. We got to move past that and get a little bit closer to baseline. And I'm with you, Mike. I don't know if they're playoff ready, but if they can be competitive and maybe not win these games in January, I think we can look at that as progress. Higgs, hop in. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys as well. Um, I think –
0: one thing I could be wrong, but I feel like one thing the players uh, have with Donovan that they didn't have with Jim Boylan is respect. I mean, that guy's won two national championships in college. He went to OKC and didn't win a championship, but he, he you know, he, he coached them really, really well. <clears throat> Those guys did not respect Jim Boylan at all. Remember, it was a, uh, it was Levine last year. I remember Boylan called a player, wanted to take him out of the game or something, and he basically barked back at him, like, I'm not coming out, or you, can go, you know, go fuck yourself kind of thing. Well, there's think- no way, there's no way he's going to say it to Billy Donovan.
1: Yeah, and then real quick, there was the other one where they had him, like, not mic'd up, but they could see his words in that moment when Jim Boylan calls a timeout, and they're down by a ton with seconds to go, and Zach Levine literally mouths, who the fuck calls timeout when you're down by 12 yeah. with, like, seconds left to play? Hop back in.
0: And he's not wrong. That's the thing. It's like, I'm not too big on players, you know, going against their coaches, but when it's Jim Boylan, I'm going to probably agree with the players most of the time, you know?
1: Yeah. Stating the obvious. So you're, you're walking us right into it, Hags. Thank you so very much. Let's talk about Zach Levine. You know, a guy who I, you know, I, I'm not the biggest fan of, I, I personally, in terms of Chicago Bulls, and what our future looks like. I mean, he's the guy you date, the guy you don't marry. And I don't mean to be cruel about that, but that's just kind of how I feel about him. But again, with now Donovan and Arturas in there, these are fresh eyes. This is a clean slate. I think this is an opportunity for Zach Levine to change a lot of minds, more specifically mine. And so what do you expect, uh, Higgs, from Zach Levine this season? I mean, the guy has gone from a dude recovering from a torn ACL to becoming a fringe all-star to leading our team in scoring. Is it very one-dimensional at times? Absolutely. Can he get on a heater better than some of the elite scorers in the league? Absolutely he can. Where do you think his game could possibly go this season, and is he capable of getting there? I I think Billy Donovan could get him there. I mean, he's already scoring, what, over 20
0: points a game? He's kind of become our our leader just because we kind of needed one. Um, Is he a leader on other teams? I don't know. But I think the one thing Billy Donovan is going to be able to do with him is maybe make him a better defender. I think that's the one thing Levine is so-so on. Um, He showed last year he can close out games, man. Remember that game in Charlotte when he just took over and he stole the ball? Or I think Arch stole the ball, kicked it out to him last minute, took that shot. So I think right now he's the leader. Do I think he's the leader for the next five years? I'm not sure. I don't know. I think Laurie could step into that role. Kobe could eventually step into that role. But right now, Levine is our leader. I like Levine, man. I don't know. There's a lot of people who don't like him. I like him. um, And I'm excited to see what what he can do this year with Billy Donovan.
1: Mike, what's your expectation for Zach Levine this year? Do you think he can take a major step forward? Do you think his game can evolve a little bit or just kind of the guy that's going to be scoring points for us?
2: Well, listen, we talked about this on previous pods. When you break Zach Levine down and you look at all his components, he has everything you want to be a superstar in this league. He can get buckets at will he's a super freak athletic he can get shots you know pretty much anywhere on the court I mean he can do that. he's finally fully healthy so again if you were to look at any of his components without seeing the name Zach Levine you'd be like this guy has the makings of a superstar so hopefully Billy Donovan's the guy that can finally turn on that light switch right to kind of get him to maximize this potential that literally everybody in the basketball world kind of wants and expects from Zach Levine. So I think he can get there. I think, you know, we talk about scoring. I think scoring in this era of NBA uh, is, is, you know, uh, is a little inflated. Um, So regardless if he scores 20 or 30, you know, um, I, I think that's not really a key. Scoring in a vacuum means nothing. I think it's the idea of knowing when to score versus knowing when to get your teammates into the flow. That's what I'm really looking forward to in Kobe White, which I know will probably be a whole different conversation. But I, uh, you know, I think for whatever reason, there's that missing component and maybe finally having a good to great head coach kind of steer you in that direction is that final hurdle to have him you know, become, You know, maybe he won't ever be a superstar, but there's, there's no reason he can't be a top 20 player in this league if he turns it on.
1: And I'm with you both. Uh, There is that missing component, and maybe Billy Donovan could be that type of missing piece that could take it to another level. And here's what I've generally disliked about Zach Levine, because, Mike, everything that you said is 1,000% correct, and I think that's what makes him so frustrating as a player. Where I think for this season, I think less is more for Zach Levine, and I'm not saying, like, less scoring. I'm just saying I think it got to the point where he's gotten into this habit where he feels like, If he doesn't drop 35 to 38 every single night, the Bulls have no shot. Now, can he do that maybe eight or nine times a year? Yes, he can. But there are other games where it doesn't work out. There are other moments, to Hague's point, where I feel like because the guy doesn't play defense and he doesn't care on defense, he feels like when he gives up a bucket, he's got to go right back and get it again, which isn't a great way of playing basketball. It's not really involving the rest of your teammates. So my hope is it's not that Billy Donovan changes Zach Levine, but what if Billy Donovan can make the guys around him a little bit better Zach Levine can maybe trust a little bit more. If he could, dare I say, I really need him to average four assists this season. For a guy who handles the ball as much as he does, there really is no excuse to at least get four dimes a night. And what if he can just kind of get into this mode of distributing the ball a little bit more? And we're going to get to him in a second, but what if it's one night Kobe White goes off the next night, Zach Levine goes off. Maybe he can pick his spots a little bit more where that 35 point night kind of comes at the more crucial moment. Instead of the random Tuesday night against the Hornets, you know, when the season's kind of up the track a little bit. And I'm really hoping that's something that Zach Levine's going to have to learn because I just don't see a player that really knows how to win. I see a player that's probably interested in winning. I see a player that's really interested in scoring because he thinks that helps teams win. But I hope Billy Donovan can bring a little bit more out of him. And there is a world where he could become an all-star. There's a world where he can become a leader. I haven't seen it yet, but I think this is probably rubber meets the road time this season with Billy Donovan, because if it's the same guy that we've seen in past years with Billy Donovan, that guy ain't changing. And then you probably need to perhaps move on. So I'm, I'm kind of like, I kind of have an open mind about Zach Levine more than I ever have in the past. And I hope that it can actually really be successful. And another guy that probably is going to help him be successful is Kobe White. You know, Hags, hey, let's talk about Kobe White. I love the hair. I love the personality. Honestly, I, I had him on the fantasy team for a little while. Up and down season last year, but finished on quite the heater. He kind of looks like the second coming of Ben Gordon. What are you expecting from Kobe White this year? What part of his game do you want to see him improve the most? Oh, By far, uh,
0: playmaking. I mean, the guy can score, right? I mean, he can score buckets, no, no problem. And that's one of the question marks about getting him was – oh, he's not a true point guard. And I've been saying for a while, to me, he's like a six man Lou Williams off the bench, which every team needs that guy. Well, now Billy's gone. Well, I think he can play point guard for us. So let's see what that's like. And I think he can excel at it. Um, Although, you know, it's, it's tough being a point guard in the NBA. This is only his second year. It's going to take time to get adjusted. But he also has a little bit of pressure on him, not as much, I think, as some of the other guys in the Bulls. But the fact that Donovan is handing him the keys and saying, you're our point guard for the next, well, let's see if we're going to be the point guard for the next three, four years. So he does have a little bit of pressure on him, not as much as some of the other guys. I think you have a longer leash for sure. But I'm super pumped that he's our point guard, man. You know, we, we signed Sadoransky, who I do like, but he's not really a starter. And by the way, I don't you guys saw, but he's not with the team, which I think is weird. I don't really yeah. know the story
2: with that. Contact tracing. So they're just being very precautious uh, COVID-wise.
0: Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because they didn't say why he wasn't with the team.
2: Yeah, so he he supposedly has been in contact with somebody. They haven't – so his absence has theoretically just been because he's potentially been around somebody that has been infected.
0: But, yeah, Kobe's so fun to watch, man. I mean, and and if it works out and he's our starting point guard for the future, hell yeah, I'm on for the ride.
1: It's going to be so fun. Are you kidding me? Yeah, in terms of that playmaking, Higgs, I'm going to come right back to you real quick. Is it fair to say that the biggest challenge for Kobe White this year is – figuring out a way where him and Zach Levine can coexist on the floor at the same time.
0: Yeah, for sure. Anytime you got two, two people who can score a lot, you know, you kind of have to figure out, it's almost like not to the same extent, of course, but kind of reminds me a little bit of like a John Wall, Bradley Beal situation in Washington, where those guys can put up 30, 40 a night, no problem. And they had to figure out a way to, you know, help each other out. Um, You know, I think it'll take Kobe a little bit of time too. as a playmaker, he's used to scoring. So yeah. Reminds me a little bit of a, you know, a quarterback who could run when they're rookie and they're like running most of the time, but after a while they kind of settle down and know they gotta look through their receivers more. So it might be something along those lines. There's gonna be growing pains, but I'm pumped, man. I'm really
1: pumped that Billy put him in a point guard. Yeah, that that's a good comparison too, because that's the thing is if White and Levine are on the floor at the same time, it just seems like two dudes with high usage rates with the ball in their hands and guys three other guys are on the court. You're gonna have to incorporate those dudes at some point. Mike what are you looking forward to what do you think Kobe White needs to improve upon the most this season and do you think he can perhaps take that step this season
2: well I think the biggest thing I'm sure you guys will agree in any sport that makes you excel is confidence right and the fact that he got Billy Donovan to say right off get-go you're our starting point guard I think speaks volumes to hopefully the confidence that he's building as a player. Uh, second of all, I mean, just like any point guard who's kind of coming into his own, he's going to have to know when to push the offense, when to push his own offense, you know, but that only comes with experience and that means minutes. So I actually think to Hague's point, he needs a long leash, not a short leash. Because if you're instilling, instilling a second year player as your starting point guard, you got to know that there's going to be some growing pains. You got to know that. And unless he's a disaster, you have to give him a long leash to give him the minutes to kind of establish that experience. Um, But I think he's fully capable. I mean, we know he can score. Um, And I think Higgs brought a great, great, Great mentality to what it means to be a point guard. You know, we even saw with Derek Rose, his idea that I'm just going to try to blow past everyone. I'm just going to use my athleticism to just be that guy who just, I'm going to get past the defense every time. And that's not what makes a good point guard. A good point guard is a guy who can see the floor. Of course, if you can, uh, you know, take advantage of moments where you can blow by defenders who aren't guarding you well, then yeah, do it. But overall, it's to slow down, just like Aaron said, is to see the offense, see the floor. So I think if anything, He's going to have to learn to kind of in a weird way take a step back and maybe not solely rely on his athleticism to be the point guard we need um and then the one thing in terms of with Zach Levine you know comparisons in terms of scoring I think the thing that I'm already really liking about Kobe you know a guy like Zach and not to say that he doesn't have a killer mentality who's to say but at least from uh a desire from uh, just a fiery standpoint. We haven't seen that from Zach Levine. So we don't know if he just internalizes that or if unfortunately he's just too laid back for his own good. Like I like Kobe, we're kind of seeing that fire, at least from the comments he's making, at least from the things he's saying to the press, at least from the way he's carrying himself. So I really like that we have a point guard that's just like burning to be better, burning to help this team move forward. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super pumped as well about Kobe being our point guard.
1: Yeah, you brought up two really good points. The first one is the long leash concept, which I love because if this is a free pass season for Billy Donovan, you know, let's play these guys, you know what I mean? Instead of maybe meritocracy for once, let's just keep these guys out there on the floor and let's get a huge sample size on Wendell Carter, Kobe White, Laurie Markin, and name any player really on that roster right now and figure out what we got. It reminds me a lot of, what was it, two or three seasons ago? Lucas Giolito had the worst ERA in the AL, the American League. The White Sox said, "Screw it, man! You're going out there and you are pitching every fifth day," and the dude did. He went out there, got his head knocked in, and then the next season he came back a little bit trimmer with a new release point, and now he's an ace of the staff. I'm not saying that that progression is is easy, and you know what I mean—that's just going to be handed to you. But in Kobe White's case, you know, let's keep those let's keep those minutes coming. Let's let them make mistakes. Let's three of fifteen from the field—that's all right, man. You're our starter the next night. And to your other point too, as well. I've heard Billy Donovan talk a lot about Kobe White specifically, but I think this probably goes for the rest of the team. Of, It seems like we got a lot of quiet guys on the floor. A lot of dudes that don't really talk a whole lot. And he's trying to encourage Kobe White to become more of that vocal leader on the offense, you know, really communicate in between plays and on possessions. That's what a point guard does. You know, he's got the personalities. He's not very vocal on the court. And I would probably extend that towards, as you mentioned, Zach Levine. You know, Wendell Carter seems to be a really fiery guy. I don't hear him talking too much on the court. You know, Larry Markkinen ain't saying shit. Uh, you know what I'm Not saying?
2: Not in English, anyways.
1: Exactly. And once they took away, yeah, once they took away the captain, the captain uh, the captain stick from Cristiano Felicio, you know, he ain't talking anymore either. <laughs> so, uh, you know, you know, Higgs, am I on to something that if you start to think about it, this Bulls team is kind of a quiet bunch. They don't have a lot of vocal guys that are really out there kind of you no, know, not barking, but just communicating. You know what I mean? Like working, thing, working things out. Yeah, so I was, I was trying to touch on that a little bit earlier,
0: uh, talking about Levine being the leader. Like, I think he's the leader by default. Once again, I don't think he's like a leader leader. Like I said, if he went to another team, I, I don't know. Because we don't – you know, what you just said, they don't have that guy. They don't have the guy that's just – like, they're all like good – Hard-working dudes. Otto Porter's a nice guy. Th- Thad Young's a nice guy. Uh, Wendell. They're all, like, all nice dudes, which I, which I like. But, you know, you also need like an alpha dog in the team to talk shit, you know, step up or whatever the case may be, have that killer mentality. And I just think Levine's the closest thing to that. Once again, not sure if he is that guy. But that's the only guy I can think of that we have.
1: Yeah, when stuff's going wrong in the third quarter of a game, you know, who calls that little huddle at the free throw line and they all get together and they all talk it out. You know what I mean? Who does that and who do they rally around and who do they respond to? And that's just going to be something that they'll have to hopefully figure out as the season goes along. But I like that Billy Donovan is encouraging that right now among this young group of Bulls players. And speaking of young group of Bulls players, Mike, I want to hear from you first on this one. Let's talk about Patrick Williams. And I have uh, I have to come to the table a little bit here. We all We watched the draft together in Higgs's backyard, social distance, outside. And when it happened, I will be honest, I was shocked. I didn't like it. I did not enjoy the pick. The flower uh, package of uh, a <laughs> flower company that his family started. They didn't show us any game highlights. They just showed us him and his flower company that he runs with his mother. I thought that was a bit of a turnoff. But I really want to hear what you guys think because I'm slowly starting to wrap my head around why they selected him. And from what I've seen in the preseason and what you guys, I, I kind of like what I'm seeing so far. And, you know, this is ripping off of a little, you know, there's a little guy named Bill Simmons. He's got this podcast or whatever. Mark Cuban was on it. And he said that, you know, where the, this generation of NBA stars is heading towards right now? He's like, look around the league. They're six, seven, and taller, and they can all handle the basketball. And he's like, those two things right there are the building blocks and starting points for what can be the next great star. In the nba and guess what patrick williams does both those things you know he's got the height and the length and he can handle the ball and he's got a pretty decent shot how what's your maturation process or what's your journey been like from when patrick williams got you drafted to where you are right now on the eve of the nba season starting
2: well they always say always end with the nice thing so i'm going to start with the bad thing first so you know we've seen this amongst you know when we talk about fantasy sports we, see, we always see it where that guy thinks he's made this brilliant draft, like, oh, I drafted Mike Conley with my first-round pick, and now look what he's doing. He's averaging, you know, 18 points and, and 10 assists, and you're like, oh, I got such a steal. But the point is, yeah, but you could have drafted Mike Conley in the third round, not with your first-round pick. So in, in, in an ideal world, we could have traded down, got Patrick Williams, you know, maybe eighth pick, ninth pick, who knows, who knows, but we could have traded down and got him later.
1: The Knicks wanted Obi Toppin.
2: Maybe there weren't trade partners. You know, that's very likely that maybe there weren't trade partners to move down and get something, you know, whether it's a later pick, whatever. Um, So, yeah, was he drafted still, to my opinion, a little too high than he should have been? Yes. Now, with that being said, everything we've seen of this kid so far in preseason is – Pleasantly surprised uh, at nineteen years old I think he 's the second youngest player drafted this year does not look uncomfortable on the court does not look overmanned does not look like he 's out of his element he looks very comfortable to your point from a versatility standpoint we 've already seen i mean he 's hitting threes he 's handling the ball he 's playing defense he 's you know getting rebounds and putbacks he 's putting up the you know the, the floaters and the 15 foot jump shots so it 's like Yeah, he can do a little bit of it all. I mean, I know they always comp him to Kawhi Leonard. If we can get a Kawhi Leonard-esque light out of Patrick Williams, it's not going to be this year. It's not going to be next year. But maybe come year three, year four, if we start seeing that, then it'll be worth it. But like I said, who knows where we are three, four, five years from now. But the whole thing is, if we we invested a top five draft pick, number four, to this kid, we kind of mentioned in the past, we need to give him three, four, five years to develop because if we pull the plug on year three and trade him for a, another draft pick or whatever, it was it was a waste of draft pick. It was a waste of draft pick. So, but with that being said, I'm I'm really liking what we see, and this kid is a lot more athletic than I thought, man. I mean, what he's doing on the court is like really blowing my mind. So. I think I think we'll be pleasantly surprised. Hopefully, hopefully.
1: Yeah, he's got a thick NBA body. He doesn't look awkward at all. He's already made some kind of some crafty moves. He doesn't look like he's moving too fast. Like sometimes rookies will try and play too fast, or the game moves too fast for them. It looks like he's kind of got the speed down a little bit. And this is a crazy comparison, but you know Arturus is hoping that he can maybe become Scottie Pippen esque. Not Scottie Pippen, but, like, the tools and those types of things that he does in the basketball court. It seems like about what they were going for. Higgs, I would love to hear it. You know, what's your take on Patrick Williams from the moment that, you dra- that we drafted him all the way up to, you know, that preseason, and now we're on the eve of the regular season to begin?
0: Well, I thought you guys both made a really good point. He looks very poised. Like, like Choi said, you know, a lot of rookies, they look scared out there. Their bodies, you know, are way, way underdeveloped. Yeah, he's he looks NBA ready, man. Um, <clears throat> great handling the ball. He's got a nice shot. He's got like a one-handed shot, which is kind of interesting. Uh, seems to be a good passer. I mean, basically, all the reasons why they said they drafted him, he can defend, you know, one through five. He can pass. He can shoot. He can dribble. It so far seems to be the case. And I love players like that who can kind of do a little bit of everything and. Every team needs a guy like that. And the fact that he's so young, you know, once again, you guys make great points. Like, they can develop him and and see, you know, see what we got. Um, he's starting now, right? Didn't he get the starting net? Or Am I wrong?
2: Yeah, he did for two games. But the, the thing you have to take with a grain of salt is, like, we, we've had four guys that haven't been even, you know, whether it's Sandoransky, whether it's Bad Young, whether it's, you know, Gary Temple. So a lot of these guys who are in the rotation. I don't know – yeah, I don't know if him starting those two games is uh, is is indicative of, like, Donovan thinking, oh, maybe we make him a starter, and then Otto Porter coming off the bench. I, I think it's just a more of a factor of what the roster is currently.
1: Yeah, I read into it a little bit of Billy Donovan wants to give him the taste of what it's like to start an NBA game, not just like that, you know, that declaration, but more like, hey, man, when you start an NBA game, you got to be on it right away. Like, the first five, six minutes, this is what it feels like to get out there and be ready. So I think it was giving him a taste, but the interesting part is I do think auto Porter is going to be the starter as long as he's healthy. But what's really nice about it is that, you know, we can move on from Otto Porter and Patrick Williams can slide in and in theory, be our small forward heading into next season and maybe take that, you know, whatever progress his career is going to have. I do have questions a little bit about his shooting. The shootings looked okay so far in preseason, the form the form has got me kind of on the fence just a little bit. And, of course, with all NBA players, if you put in the work, you eventually find that jump shot, and it's really going to be a matter of him putting in that work. And that's just going to be kind of, you know, we'll see what happens. Mike, hop in. Well, got this is a complete random question for you guys, but I've been
2: trying to figure out, is that blonde patch, is that a dyed patch or is that natural? Because I've been trying to figure out if he's, you know, the, the blonde, the light brown patch. Because I've seen shots of him when he was younger and his head is not shaved, but closer property still has that. So I'm not sure because either way, we, like the brow, we need to trademark that somehow. We need to, we need to uh, make that part of his moniker. I don't know what I, that I would think be. you're
1: looking for tips. I think you're looking for maybe uh, a little <laughs> bit of a change in 2021 for the Mike yeah, Choi do on top The I'm whole thinking. time
2: I've been like, is he, is he dying that or is that a natural patch?
1: Higgs, hop in. No, I, th- I read that he goes the same hairdresser as uh, Schroeder and Clint Capella. So oh, probably died. <laughs> that, that's, that's the signature. <laughs> and now for the finishing touch, the icing. <laughs> that's the guy's <laughs> a little like, dab oh. right in the middle of you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's super funny. Well, guys, uh, you know, there's some uh, – we are on betting Chicago here. It's time to do some odds, uh, do some odds makers for the Chicago Bulls. We're going to put our mouth where our fake money is. And we're going to make some predictions and let's see where we land out uh, towards the end of the season. There's some really, there's some big numbers here, guys. We're not going to go over the Bulls to win the NBA title 100 to 1. Um, I just don't feel like that. It's probably a little bit of a waste of our time. But let's start. Let's stick with Patrick Williams here. And just like sort of. Answer the question of, is, do you like those odds? Do you think they're maybe too low? Or do you think that maybe is a high enough number where you're like, hey, if I had some fake money, I'd throw some money down on this. Patrick Williams right now is 17-1 to one to win rookie of the year. Higgs, we'll go first with you. Do you like those odds? Because that seems like a bit of a long shot to me. It seems like those numbers are a little low in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I don't know about
2: 17-1. to one. Who, Who's number one? Uh, Lamello. Lamello. Lamello.
1: Yeah, he's plus. Lamello, yeah, Lamelo Wiseman. I think even Obi Toppin yeah. has better odds yeah. than uh, Pej.
2: Toppin, Killian Hayes, Denny. Uh, that, like, there's a ton of guys that are ahead of him.
1: Yeah,
0: I, I, yeah, I would. Uh, who knows? I mean, yeah, that'd be great, of course, but I wouldn't put him in the top five rookies this year, probably.
1: Yeah, I'm in agree- I'm in agreement with that. I think it's 17 to one. I probably wouldn't put my money down there because if he won Rookie of the Year, that'd be such a surprise. Where now, if you're telling me if that was more like a 35 or 40 to one. You really want to cash in on that lottery ticket? I'm on board with that, but 17 to 1. I think he's just getting that number because he was picked 4th overall. Mike, what do you say?
2: No, I the thing is like he was brought into the system to develop and, you know, to contribute but not to be a cornerstone right off the gate. Whereas like the guys like LaMelo, Anthony Edwards, Obi Toppin, you know, even James Weissman, although I think he's hasn't played yet, right? Cuz he's been had COVID. So we haven't really seen what he's looked like yet on the court, but those guys were brought in to be instant impact so regardless of the longevity of their impact they're going to play and have at least from a stats standpoint instant impact so those guys are going to be way above um you know our guy for rookie of the year so i I mean I i think that's about right i think that's about right um you know uh looking at this yeah i mean yeah, LaMelo's top, like we said, at plus 390. Then it's Anthony Edwards, James Weissman, Obi Toppin. The Killian Hayes thing kind of strikes me as odd that he's that high just because, I, I don't know, maybe this is just our Derrick Rose allegiances, but Derrick Rose has been playing so well that, like, if they're if Killian is already kind of projected to unseat Derrick, and I know Derrick's kind of a sixth man now kind of in his career, but th- that one strikes me is that the fact that he's a little bit higher than um, – you know, Patrick Williams is, is a little bit of a stunner to me. Yeah, that
1: was a bit of a weird number for me, too, where I agree with you on the Derrick Rose. Where there's nights when he gets hot, I mean, he plays 30 to 34 minutes on those nights, and that just means a Killian Hayes night that just doesn't get any production. Hagues, what do you say to that?
0: Yeah, also, they, they signed DeLon Wright in the offseason. So we got DeLon Wright, D Rose, and him. However, they drafted him because they're going to hand the keys over to this kid for the future. This guy was a stud in Europe. There was uh, Kevin O'Connor, who, you know, is a big draft guy. That was his number one player. So I don't disagree with it. I mean, I I think he's going to be good. D. Rose, everything I've read said he's going to help this kid out as much as he can, which is really cool. Killian Hayes is pumped about having D. Rose as a mentor. So, um, and Dwayne Casey's a great coach. So I I see him maybe not uh, top three, but I put him top five.
1: Yeah, I love Killian Hayes. In terms of his shot and his uh, shot creatability, I think he could perhaps be one of the dudes in this draft that gets to All-Star the quickest. The part that I don't like about that odds is there still is Derrick Rose. They're not a very good team. There's going to be nights when they're competitive and they're going to want to try and win the game. And Derrick Rose will be playing well, and he's just going to take up all those minutes, which I just think is going to eat into Killian Hayes' production. I could see Killian, you know, by the time we get to March – or like late February, you're like, oh, man, this dude dropped 26 tonight. Oh, we dropped 22 tonight, you know. But I think the first 10 to 20 games, I just don't think we're going to hear a lot from him, which might kind of hurt him a little bit. This is a fun category coming up. You guys get to pick one out of three Bulls players. There's the most improved category. We got Kobe White at 16 to 1. Laurie Marketing 30 to 1 or Wendell Carter 30 to 1. Mike, you're going to go first on this one. You know, which one are you going to pick maybe based on those odds or a dude that you just like a whole lot to perhaps win NBA's most improved player this season? Well, first
2: of all, I, uh, I think you guys know from uh, uh, previous pods that I'm, I'm not a Lorry guy. I mean, at best, he's a team's third option in my opinion. So, you know, my, my money is definitely on Kobe White because, again, unless he just craps out of the gate – I mean, he's been given the keys to the Chicago Bulls point guard. So anytime you have a guy that's in position, you know, because unfortunately a lot of times these awards are based on stats. So his stats are going to get a huge, huge boost by being the starting point guard Um, in terms of Wendell Carter. Again, not that he can't be a great contributor, but again, to me, he's not a cornerstone. So I really just personally don't have uh, as high of opinion as you guys might have on those two guys. And I don't know if can we really quick 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 get into it because I don't want to make this a Billy Donovan love fest because I do have a little bit of criticism I don't I'm not sold on this Wendell Carter three-point experiment in terms of you know hey let's get this guy starting to jack threes I, I get the theory behind it I get the idea that hey if you have to respect a guy's three-point shooting that opens the floor up for everybody else but I I I I don't like this idea of let's turn him into a three point shooter. And at least early on, it's not bearing any results uh, by any means. So, but to answer your question, uh, Kobe white for sure would be my top contender for most improved player.
1: Yeah. Higgs. I'd love to hear your take on that too, as well, where it has Wendell Carter to me. And this is, and this is really what sucks about Wendell Carter is, you know, the dude's been injured on and off the past couple of seasons. He's been able to flash with some solid games, but he's already coming up on RFA status. We're going to have to make a decision on this guy. So he better stay healthy so we can at least get an idea of who he is because I see the skills. I just don't see the production. And maybe that's where you're talking about, Mike, where, like, they want him to shoot those threes. I kind of like his form, but they're not going in, right? And it's just at some point it's almost like the Kyle Schwarber of the last couple seasons. Like, you kind of see it, and when he hits one 460 feet, you're like, wow, man, can he do that all the time? It's almost like Wendell Carter a little bit. I just wish he can get that consistency and show that production more. And he's one of the more frustrating players. Higgs, hop in. What do you think?
0: Yeah, well, you know, when they picked him at seven, I was super excited. I thought it was really good value that we got him at seven. I like Wendell, man. I don't, you know, he's always reminded me of, like, Elton Brand. He could be a maybe not a 20-10 guy, but maybe a 15-10 guy. Solid defender down low can pass, maybe block a shot, get a steal. He's not going to – once again, Al Horford type guy, which I'll take. Billy Donovan had him shooting threes, maybe down the road. But this year, there's no point, man. Like, we need him to get down low, bored. We have so many three-pointers as it is. We have a new coach, a new system. So forget about him trying to jack threes. Maybe have him practice this year like crazy, and the next year in a game you can start shooting threes, but, but not right now. But here's the thing I'm going to say about Wendell. Two things. One, he had Jim Boylan. Two, he's been hurt. So that's why I think we really haven't had a chance to see what he can really do. Fuck the three-pointers. But everything else, I think this guy's really solid, man. And you need that guy down low to help defend the bigger guys, the stronger guys in the other team. Because Laurie's big. I mean, he is kind of strong, but he's not a guy to go down low. So I like Wendell. We need to play him as much as we possibly can this year because, Joe, you said it before. He's coming up as a restricted free agent and we have to see what we have, but just the fact of a new coach and he's in, hopefully he's healthy this year. He can, and Billy will be able to show him what he, you know, the world,
1: what he can do. I really love what you just said. We're like, take any situation in life, like you're racing to your favorite burger place and it just closes and you're banging on the door to let you come in or it's, you're shivering on Christmas Eve and the rich person's house is looking through the curtains, but won't open up the door. And all you just gotta say is, "Please." I had Jim Boylan as my coach last year, and they go, "All right, all right, come on in. It's okay." Like I literally, like my next job interview, because I'm wildly unemployed right now, is gonna be like, "All right, well, so what happened to your last job?" Is like, "Well, sir, uh, the pandemic and Jim Boylan was coach of the Bulls at the time." Is like, "Ooh, that's a rough. <laughs> <fucking year." laughs> it's a really rough year." But you're right, man. You're right. All these guys. I mean, we, we really don't know who a lot of these people are based on the coach that they had to play under for the last, what, year and a half. And that's the truth. And now that's what makes it exciting and fresh because all these guys get a clean slate and Chicago Bulls fans as well get a clean slate. We now get to watch these guys hopefully in their natural habitat, in the state of which they were always supposed to play competitive basketball in. Higgs, hop back in. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah, Billy's the big, big uh, news this year, but, but health, man. Once again, the past two years, we have not fielded what our team should be for a, a good chunk of time. It's just never happened. One person gets hurt here. Out of court gets hurt here. Wendell gets hurt here. It's like we've never seen what, we, what we've had. So hopefully
1: we're healthy, new team. We should be good. Hopefully. And you know what? To throw something Zach Levine's way, because I criticize him fairly often, dude's been healthy. For a guy yeah. that came off a torn ACL, for a dude that was injured when he was traded to the Chicago Bulls, the guy has come back and he's been healthy. You've got to give him a ton of credit for that. And obviously that has more to do with luck. That has a lot to do with preparation, and I'm sure the way that he's trained after tearing that ACL, what was that, three, four seasons ago. So that's definitely a credit to him. We've got a couple more for you guys we will get you out of here. Mike, here's your next one. Door number one, door number two. Which one do you think is more likely? Which one do you think has better odds? Billy Donovan to win head coach at 30 to one or Zach Levine to win the NBA scoring title at 60 to one. That one is tasty to me. You have the floor, my friend.
2: Well, I mean, you got to go with, uh, I I have, uh, I have a couple of reasons for why I'm going with this. I, regardless of the odds, you hope that Billy Donovan is a coach of the year contender, right? Cause whether he wins it or not, that means he's proven results. Everything we've talked about in terms of what he can bring to the team. If he's in the running or in the talk for coach of the year, that means he's done great things for the Chicago bulls.
1: And just to interrupt real quick, if the bulls make the playoffs, he's easily a top five candidate, right? Hands yeah. down. Oh yeah, yeah. Hands
2: down. Right. But that,
1: I mean, that's just indicative of what
2: he's brought to the team. So just from uh, uh, you know, between the two choices that 's what i 'm hopefully putting my money on because then that means, as a team he 's done right by the Chicago Bulls in terms of Zach Levine, you know looking at the numbers like there 's only been five times since two thousand that uh, somebody 's won the scoring title below thirty points, so that basically means you need to score thirty plus points to win the scoring title right so even even in a scenario where he 's close, again, this is more from a practical standpoint. If Zach Levine is near the league leaders of scoring average this season, then conversely, that means there's something terribly going wrong with our offense. If he's the guy once again, that it's like, Hey, we need to rely so much on scoring from this guy that nobody else is really contributing. That means unfortunately, conversely, the Billy Donovan experiment isn't working, right? Because that means he hasn't spread the floor, hasn't spread the offense to get everybody contributing. Because, you know, we talk about kind of like, by no means will we ever confuse Zach Levine with Michael Jordan. But if it's that syndrome of early Michael, where it's like, hey, he's scoring 37 points a game, but everybody else is just staring and watching, that's not good as a team. That, that's never been good for a team. So, yeah, from a personal standpoint, hoping Billy Donovan and wanting Billy Donovan to be coach of the year contention and don't want Zach Levine to be scoring title contention.
1: Yeah, the sixty to one just has me kind of thinking a little bit. I'm in complete agreement with you where actually if the Bulls want to be good, Zach Levine's probably scoring total per game probably needs to go down a touch. But my counter my general objective counter to that would be he's at her. he's already at over twenty five. You made a great stat about the it has to be under thirty points for an NBA scoring title for Zach Levine to have a shot. And you know, maybe if they're sharing the ball and it's moving a little bit more. Maybe he gets a couple more easy baskets that he wouldn't normally get instead of – I mean, Zach Levine works so hard for some of his points sometimes, and it kind of makes you think of maybe if it came a little bit easier to him, maybe the scoring could actually go up. Uh, but you, you made a great argument there. Higgs, if you could pick 30-1 to 1 Donovan head coach, 60-1 to 1 Zach Levine scoring champ, what would you rather have and what do you think is the best value betting-wise? Um – Value
0: wise, I would go with Levine 60 to 1. I mean, at that, yeah, I mean, he should be up there at least at the 60 scoring. to 1, top
1: 10 scorer, yeah. Like, but I mean, it, it's hard, it's hard to say, but it sounds like you'd rather have Donovan as head coach of the year. That'd probably be we're heading, yeah. I mean, generation. like,
0: basically everything that choice that I agree with, you know, yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, he laid it out. <laughs> I would love if Billy Donovan was coach of the year. It'd be awesome if he got the Bulls to the playoffs around the eighth seed. I don't. Know if that's going to happen, but that would be awesome. And I don't, yeah, I, yeah. what's going to agree with Choi? It's like, yeah, if Levine's the scoring champ, and then he's just going to be hogging the ball. And that's, a, I, I don't want that. And, and I think it's going to be hard to do with Kobe scoring and Larry scoring. And it's, it's just too much ball to spread around.
1: And Felicia, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, On the yeah, bench, baby, bringing him in. Uh, <laughs> and also, and uh, real quick, we don't have to get into it too much. I am really excited to watch Daniel Gafford this year. I, I like him. A whole lot off the bench, rim runner. Each of you give me 10 seconds on Daniel Gafford. Mike, go first.
2: Well, you guys know, I mean, I've been saying it all on that I love Daniel Gafford. I think he's a better prospect, in my opinion, than Wendell Carter. So I'm fine with Wendell Carter leaving if we have Daniel Gafford moving into his rotation spot.
1: Higgs, rim rocker Gafford, talk about it.
2: Uh, Real quick, piggybacking off of Choi, I, I agree as
0: well. Yeah, if the Wendell thing doesn't work out and Gafford becomes our starting center, I'm cool with that. Uh, I first saw him at Summer League a couple summers ago. He played one game, tore it up, and the Bulls are like, okay, we'll sign you, and they signed him after that, and I saw him in person when he was just starting out, and he was he's a beast, man. He reminds me a little bit of Kenny DeMartin, not as good as him, of course, but – Kind of tall, athletic guy who's going after rebounds, dunking hard. I, you know, I, I love that
1: stuff. Yeah, cool guy to bring off the bench, right? Brings a little energy. Hopefully maybe brings a little toughness and can, yeah, kind of scrap up. And when your guys are sitting on the bench getting a blow, he can get those points in the paint maybe keep you in some games. It's that time, you guys. The Bulls, the Chicago Bulls, are plus 300 to make the playoffs. Their over-under for the season is 29.5 wins. NBA fans, keep in mind this is a 72-game season. So they do see a slight improvement from our Chicago Bulls, just obviously less games played this year. So here we go. Higgs, you're going to go first. Chicago Bulls over under 29.5 wins this season, and do they make the playoffs, yes or no?
0: I, I would take the over. Making the playoffs, I, I don't have them making the playoffs. But I would take the over on that. I don't know about how many more necessarily. Not by a lot, of course, but uh, but I don't have them making the playoffs. I kind of have them on the bubble, but I did my list of who I think will definitely be in both conferences and teams who might, you know, make it. Um, I got the Bulls at the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. Now, so, with the new playoff format, though, they could play for the that new playing game, playing tournament, um, but I haven't attended.
1: So, you know, April, couple weeks left in the season, the Bulls are maybe playing some games. You know, maybe they're three games out of the eight seed, but it sounds like they could be playing actual meaningful games in March and April. In your opinion, what you could possibly see?
0: Yeah, well, with the new playing tournament isn't isn't it, it the eight, seven, or what is it? Seven, eight, nine, ten, or the four teams that kind of make this thing, right?
1: Yeah, I, I don't know the details yet, and I th- I still think they're trying to finalize it because we don't even have the second half really of the NBA schedule yet. But yeah, they're talking about a version that could perhaps. If the Bulls get over 29.5 wins, would at least be in that weekend. That weekend. Yeah, that's what I'm
0: saying. I I think it is. I think it's seven through ten or something like that. And I think the bulls, they have them at ten, so they could play for that play-in game, I think.
1: Mike, 29.5 wins, you going over, under, and do you think they got a shot at the playoffs this year?
2: Shot at the playoffs, definitely no. um, because as Aaron pointed out, like let's just take a look at the East. They're not gonna barring injury or something crazy that's gonna happen. Basically they're playing for depending on what the plan scenario is they're basically playing for two spots they're not going to be better than the bucks that's one they're not going to be better than the nets they're not going to be better than the celtics they're not going to be better than the heat they're not going to be better than the, be better than the raptors or philly so that's six that's six right and, there and not Indy.
1: you didn't mention indiana either. exactly
2: so what i'm saying then could they kind of be on par with you know the hawks indy wizards magic yeah, I, I could see that, but definitely they're they're not breaking into the top six in the Eastern Conference. So ultimately no. they're really vying for with all these teams kind of in their pack for two spots. So I don't see that happening. And in terms of it's twenty nine and a half. Correct. So that basically means to go over that is that they're a five hundred team because right this year was seventy two, that means thirty um thirty six. Thirty-six. So could they be a game or two under 500? Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess if I, to be hopeful, I guess I would put them over that, but, but not by much. Cause even then I don't know if they're a 500 team. Um, again, my, as we kind of stated right at the top of this, as long as they show improvement and competitiveness, that's all I'm looking for this year. Um, You know, wins and losses, I'm not so concerned about. Maybe we worry about that more in year two in the Billy Donovan regime. But I I will go over, but barely, because I don't think there'll be a 500 team this year.
1: I'm going over as well. For some reason, I got the number 34 stuck in my head. Uh, That seems maybe a little ambitious, but it's definitely very possible. And I kind of see a narrative scenario working out, where, as we talked about with that schedule. After that first month, we could definitely be playing the same old Bulls game. You know, they're under 500, kind of taking maybe some tough losses. I'm with you, Hags. Like, what, they play the Lakers, I think, two or three times in that first stretch. They got Dallas in their Portland. And I mean, there's going to be some games. And I know we talked about, like, I hate seeing the 25-point game blowouts. There's still going to be some of those in there, especially in that early part of the schedule. But I do see a scenario that in February, that schedule gets really interesting. And I'm hoping that, you know, as – the The flowers begin to bloom in spring. There could be a situation about a bull's team trending in the right direction, maybe on a little bit of a heater, and can maybe slowly get back into that conversation of you know a long shot, you know five games, four games out of the eight seed, but you know all of a sudden you know they win a couple and they get a little bit closer than they were before. and I think that would be a pleasant surprise and a surprise that I can live with. I think we're all on board with We're not expecting the world this season. I think we really need to see some progress, right? I mean, honestly, we need to see a couple more wins on the board and some on-the-court tangible progress with players that we have on our current roster. So I'm going over. I still see us possibly short of the playoffs for this season, but I think the season ends with the Bulls' arrow pointing up and also actually feeling really good about this team moving forward. Mike, cop in.
2: Well, I got one for you guys. If I were to give you 5-1 to one odds – would you take this scenario, or would you take this bet, whether it's as a player or as a coach, Joakim Noah rejoining the Chicago Bulls? Five to one. I think yeah. that. I would have taken
0: five
1: to one. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit, a little bit higher. Maybe at like a twelve to one. I've, look, I, I would love to see him sign a twelve day contract. I would personally – I would love to see – I think he could go out there and play four or five minutes for us, you know, every once in a while. And, you know, when, when you got that big lead at the United Center and, you know, it's big Mac time, you know, it's Brian Scalabrini territory. Uh, yeah. You know, bring him in and give, the, give us a thrill. But, uh, yeah, it just – it seems really tough. I mean, I could see a scenario where midseason maybe he got healthy enough where he'd wanted to come back to play, but why would he want to play for the Bulls? You maybe want to go to a playoff team to be a competitor to play minutes in the postseason. Eggs, hop in, and then Mike, hop back in.
0: Yeah, guys, you're you're kind of forgetting. There's no way the Bulls can sign him. They have Cristiano Felicio, and all Bulls fans
1: like him better than Keane. We've all chosen. We've chosen Michael. And sorry, is- Joe. We made Cristiano Saint Felicio. I mean, for me,
2: I just again, not, I, I'm even more thinking more so of joining the coaching staff as like a special assistant or something. So not necessarily so much as a player, but regardless of if, if it's as a player or as some part of the organization, coming back to the Bulls, especially with Billy Donovan back in the Bulls, I just I cannot see that not happening in some form or another.
1: I got a scenario for you, dream scenario. Roll the clocks forward a couple of years. Fans are back in the stands. For some reason, the three of us are in Chicago. And we're at the UC a couple of years from now with a Bulls team trending towards a top seed in the playoffs. And Joe Noah is there shooting T-shirts into the stands. <laughs> of the of I mean, come on. That's, that, that's how we'll know that we've made it. And we can all look back on this pod and shake hands and be like, we, we knew it. It was coming. Higgs, hop in.
0: Yeah, I, 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 for whatever reason, can't picture Joe... I don't know being a coach for some reason. I don't know maybe you know he can help out the guys down low. But like a goodwill ambassador, yes, for him the ball, or you know, like he's the guy like everybody loves him and you know he's a people person. Like I picture him, yeah, exactly, Scotty Horstrant. I think who is like a you know a liaison to the fans or whatever. Like I would love to see him in that role. He'd be perfect.
1: Yeah, he does some radio interviews here and there. Does some on court stuff. Represents the team. Sits courtside every once in a while. Wears a crazy suit on a Saturday night. You know, what I mean, like that, that draft suit yeah, that is back that draft Saturday suit. night, everyone's, you know, wearing leather jackets in the stadium. Everyone's freezing. Then they get in that hot UC and you see Joe Keem on the front court, the awesome suit on Higgs. Quick question for both of you guys off the top of your heads. Where would you put Joe and your
0: favorite players, not the best Bulls players, but your favorite Bulls players of all time?
1: Where would you rank them? Ooh, I'll, I'll go first and buy Mike some time easily in my top five. Easily I mean we got the nineties Bulls. Obviously MJ's right up there at the top. Scotty's right up there at the top. You know, I did I did love the Rodman. I, I love the Rodman action for a little while there. But other than that, there weren't like a ton of players on that team that like I loved. I mean everyone loves Steve Kerr now, but when Steve Kerr was playing, I wasn't like, Steve, you know what I mean, when he came into the game, right? You know, even on the Horace Grants, Tony Ku coaches, I could always kind of maybe nitpick and criticize just a little bit. Um I loved Ron Artest when he was on the Bulls. He was actually one of my favorite players to play because he was so tough. But, man, rolling forward, Derek Rose and Joakim Noah, what Joakim Noah became after he was drafted, the guy could barely catch a basketball, all arms and legs, getting in trouble in his rookie year, getting suspended. To By the end, he was the point guard on our team, (laughs) leading the team in assists, leading the team in, in heart, leading the team in spirit and energy, and, oh, yeah, also rebounds. And, you know, telling lebron like hey man fuck you bring it on like <laughs> honestly like one of my favorite bulls of all time easy mike go ahead
2: well and th- that's a strange case where we we benefited from him going back to school a year because his dra- he, he was actually the number one pick projected after that first championship so by him going back to school he, he fell even though he won a second championship um but uh I, i'm gonna make this simpler for me I'm just going to say, and this is still great, he's he's my favorite center, both by personality and performance, all time of the Bulls. I can't think of a center that I'd rather have all time on the Chicago Bulls than, you know, Joe Keem. So, I mean, yeah, and then in terms of everything you guys mentioned, just in terms of his personality, like, there, I mean is Dennis. Dennis is the only one on the Chicago bulls that can rival the type of personality that Joe brought to the Chicago bulls. in my opinion, I can't think of anyone that had a more, uh, you know, just bigger flamboyance than those two guys. So
1: yeah, um, larger than life for sure. I will throw out there, not ahead of Joe Keane, but on my list really loved watching Ben Gordon play. I really, that, that era when he came in and he got a heater and he got hot, it did not matter where he was on the floor when that ball left his hands, it was going into the bottom of the bucket. I enjoyed the Jalen Rose era too, as well, just cause I was a huge Fab Five growing up, a Fab Five guy growing up. So he's always gonna be high on the list, but man, yeah, dude, Joe Keem's probably maybe number three on my list, maybe uh, slightly ahead of Derrick Rose. Just a little what? bit, Derrick Rose- Whoa, really? Derrick caused me too much pain. Caused me, huh, okay. I mean, uh, you know, so wow. many, the highs were so high, the lows were so low. At the end of the day, I knew I could come home at night, and Joakim Noah would still be there. I'm sorry, you know, and <laughs> and even after dealing with the aftermath of losing Derek, I'm going through that pain as a hoops fan. Who was there to pick me up? Who was the shoulder to cry on? Joakim Noah still kept that team rolling, still kept winning games, still kept you know winning first rounds in the playoffs when we had no business doing that. I don't know. I look back more fondly at Joakim's career, and you know, and rooting for him and everything. When I think of Derek, I think of the amazing highs the athleticism the mvp and then i immediately go straight to the injuries I, I cannot think of him without thinking of the darkness of the injuries that befall his career and that's what hurts me and i think joe gets the slight edge hags hey, what what say you to your question
0: um i would agree with choi i mean he's probably my favorite center that we've ever had i mean for those Bulls runs, I wasn't a Cartwright guy. Most people weren't. Most people weren't a Luke Longley guy. We appreciate him. We love them because they on our team. Wedding,
1: baseline Jay never got
0: you yeah. horny? No, no, no. Uh, I would, I'd put Tyson up there as well, but I would put Tyson behind Joe. But they're very similar. It's just Joe's more flamboyant. But Tyson was very similar, man. Both about the same size. Both rebound. Both with a lot of heart. Played their heart out, man. And, you know, Bulls fans, well, yeah, just love that stuff. So um yeah, I'd probably put Joe at four or five all time, I guess.
2: Yeah, definitely in the up, top five. Who's up who's above then? Because obviously it's Jordan Pippen Rose for you, right? So who's number four then if he's Rodman.
1: Rodman, okay. Oh, got it. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah.
0: Fair. I I mean I can't pick Joe over Dennis. I mean, there's no way.
1: Ooh, that's a good call. So Jordan Pippen Dennis. Maybe Joe for me four, maybe Derek Rose five that's almost a four or five I'm sorry, it's just like uh, the Derrick stuff is really hard for me sometimes, but what could have been is one of the most painful Chicago what could have beens next to sure. the Mark Pryor, sure. Carry Wood combo that I honestly can really think of i wasn't I wasn't old enough for the Bears blowing one of the greatest defenses of all time and only picking up one Super Bowl. I'm sure a lot of people like to talk about that, but that one's. That one's probably the other one, but I'm too young for that. Guys, great talk. Good hoop stuff. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready to to put the ball in the hole. I'm ready to house uh, Hagel in our fantasy basketball draft coming up. He's picking eighth. I'm picking 12th, baby. Who knows what's going to happen, but we're going to talk about it all season long right here on this pod. Mike Choi, Aaron Hagel, thank you so much for joining me, you guys. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. We'll be back in 2021 to talk a ton of Chicago Bulls basketball. This episode of Believe in Betting Chicago was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Head to BetOnline this weekend for Week 16 NFL action. And you still got time to get a couple of sweet bets in there for this NBA season coming up. Make sure you head to that website all season long for all the great action. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. We got two more coming up, and then we're going to head into the new year. We're going to come up with some great stuff moving forward. Thank you for listening today. Until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk soon.